Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Everybody, uh, great to have you with us. Patrick Johnson Show. Great to have you with us. Welcome in, everybody. Patrick Johnson Show. Uh, we've got, uh, boy, another day where a lot of news kind of breaks here in the last uh, few minutes. Uh, right before we come on, this is not so much in the world of sports, but uh, in the world of uh, COVID-19. Uh, it was announced about an hour ago that by the media that uh, there will be some uh, pay cuts at Vidant, large employer here in uh, Greenville, Pitt County in Eastern Carolina. Uh, there will be some furloughs as well, which that hurts nurses and uh, care partners uh, because uh, you, you could look at shift declines there. And um, uh, the salary cuts, obviously, that hurts. Uh, so uh, th- there's a couple of uh, folks at work uh, for Vident that uh, are telling me that apparently uh, the the word to, to people who are there working today, the, in other words, maybe the media had this before they did, and gosh, I hope that's not the case. You just hate to see that. That's, that's really uh, unfortunate. Uh, This, as the governor, who was not at his press conference today, the governor has decided to lay out on Thursday, tomorrow, what uh, it's going to take for North Carolina to reopen. Apparently, the plan resembles a lot of the White House's plan as far as the three-phase deal. Uh, So we'll see how how that uh, is laid out tomorrow by the governor. Uh, I do know uh, some people, particularly uh, the uh, Speaker of the State House, uh, have really aggressively reached out to the governor to try to get him to uh, go ahead and lay out something today. Apparently, uh, there were a couple of different groups that were meeting today. They included the uh, a group that it was led by people with the Hornets about, you know, having large events. We've become such a... Uh, a concert hub. You have three major professional sports here in the state, college basketball, college football, a huge deal. So uh, that group is meeting. And then there's also uh, apparently a business group that's meeting and a restaurant group that's meeting about reopening everything. So that's where we are on the COVID-19 front. Uh, Saw a couple of stories today as far as college athletics go. Uh, They're quite interesting. Uh, Louisville, has cut their athletic budget by 15%, and they furloughed some employees there. And some assistant coaches at Boise State, which is in the Mountain West, 
uh, report out overnight that they are furloughing uh, some of their assistant coaches there. So uh, that's that is some of the, the COVID-19 parts of these updates. There's an article out today from NBC Sports that the Notre Dame Navy game that is set to take place in Ireland during week zero of the college football season, in other words, that Jan, uh, that uh, August 29th date, uh, that if it's going to be played, it would be played without fans. So, uh, you know, it involves a, obviously a team from the American there. That's the same weekend right now that ECU is scheduled to open. And uh, I hope they will. I hope this is this will be something that they will do. Uh, we're going to have, in uh, about 10 minutes, we're going to have the uh, commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, Mike Oresco, back with us. Uh, Mike making some news last week when he told the Orlando Sentinel that he could uh, see and, and imagine football being played in the American Athletic Conference without fans in the stands. That is countered to the call that uh, conference commissioners from the uh, P5 cabal had with the uh, vice president last week. So uh, we'll talk to him about that. There's also a lot of discussion about, you know, in order to to maintain your status as a Division One uh, school or to maintain your uh, status athletically, uh, some of these institutions may have to get rid of sports. So that's going to be something that's going to be talked about uh, as well. So we'll uh, we'll have all that uh, for you uh, in a few minutes. Uh, I understand Gronk spoke today, Ben. That's is that correct. true? Gronk, Roberto. Roberto is on, on Zoom. Roberto uh, is what uh, Rob Gronkowski referred to himself as. Uh, do you have some of these cuts, Ben, you want to run through, or do, do, do I have them where I can run through them? How do you want to do this? I really have not paid attention to this because I was working on other things right when we got up to the uh, beginning here, including some of this uh, Vited stuff, uh, getting that. Yeah, I can run I see, through I, I see what you've sent here. Okay. Uh, but, 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 but I think the most interesting thing here is did he and Brady uh, get together to talk about Grant going to Tampa Bay and all of that? Uh, let's go ahead and play that. It's lengthy, and if it gets tedious, I'll let you know. But uh, Gronk was actually pretty good in this. I thought, uh, we had a little conversation, uh, you know, uh, there was no pressure on either side. Uh, we actually got together a couple, uh, couple weeks ago, I would say actually probably like two months ago, just to throw the ball. I haven't thrown the football or even touched the football since last year when we threw in LA, uh, uh, out at UCLA when that was, that was news everywhere that we were throwing together. Um, because I knew, I always knew in the back of my mind, too, that I love the game of football. And if, if it ever sparked me again, I, I did want to be ready. It's not like I wanted to not be ready. So throwing the football around, working out still was definitely crucial. So we actually got together about two months ago. And uh, he, we, we rarely talked about what his decision was going to be, what, where I'm at. Uh, but we did talk about, uh, for one second, I told him that uh, I, we talked just real quick. Like, hey, like, uh, you know, it's kind of kind of getting that fire underneath me again, I told him. And I, I said, uh, I said, uh, I'm definitely interested in, in your decision that you make. I mean, I didn't put any pressure on him. I said, but uh, if, if there's a right opportunity uh, out there and, uh, and you, you go somewhere and 
that opportunity is right. Uh, even if you go back to the Patriots and I feel like the opportunity is right, uh, there's a there's a possible chance that uh, I will definitely love to reconnect. Uh, and that's where the conversation started a little bit. Uh, and he was all fired up and juiced up about it. <laughs> so uh, that was something uh, pretty cool at the moment. And uh, and in the end, it just it happened over time, which is, which is pretty neat. Hey, Ben, uh, and then the, the WWE released something because he's there. Is it the 24-7? Is that what they call it? Yeah. He's the 24-7 champion, right? Yeah, 24-7 belt. Gronk is, not Brady, but Gronk is. Oh, Gronk is. is. Gronk. Right. So Gronk is, is, has been told that his 24-7 championship, he could be pinned in the end zone of a football game, right? Is that what he was told by WWE? Yeah, some ridiculous stuff like that. You know how silly they try to get nowadays. <laughs> I'll say this, the XFL Twitter, and as much as Vince McMahon's being criticized and, and should be, the XFL Twitter, I hope that lives on because that's actually a pretty fierce uh, Twitter account. But I thought uh, Gronk was good there. Uh, Gronk was, was great there. Um, let's play a little bit here out of what led him to come out of retirement. I don't know if we'll do the whole thing, but I, obviously this was another sort of newsmaking deal, right? So let's hit that. Uh, you know, I got many questions throughout uh, the whole time I was retired from uh, however long ago that was. That was about a year ago, a little bit, a year and a month ago. Uh, I was getting questions all the time. I was getting opportunities uh, throughout the whole uh, retirement uh, to come back, uh, which, which is which is special. And, and I'm definitely blessed to have those opportunities big time. But I've always said, uh, for sure, I've, I've said it from the beginning that I wouldn't come back unless if I'm feeling it, unless if I'm feeling good, feeling healthy, and I'm feeling like uh, I'm ready to go. And now this is the case. This is the time. Uh, it definitely wasn't last year. My body 100% needed a rest. Uh, you know, I played football for whatever, 15 years straight, uh, college, high school, NFL, and I was taking hits, surgeries, everything. My body 100% needed a rest. I didn't have that fire underneath me, but I knew I loved the game of football. So I, I think that's the big thing there. He had, he had taken such kind of a physical punishment uh, that year away. And let's face it, Cam Newton kind of had a year away. Um, and, you know, I, I think if you've, if you've gone through a lot of injuries, it's already so – I mean, Terrence Copper said it yesterday. It's such a mental grind that I think if you take uh, – add that, you know, there's already enough physical punishment in it, but if you start adding things with uh, surgeries – you know, that becomes problematic. Uh, that, that tires you out mentally even more. So not only are you dealing with the physical setbacks, but maybe mental and emotional setbacks. And I think Gronk needed a, a year to not take the pounding, physically and mentally. Uh, interesting stuff. That's good stuff, Ben. Good job there. Uh, all right, let's uh, take a timeout. Enthusiasm is uh, what uh, a lot of people have had today. They want to hear some positivity about the status of football, and we're going to get uh, some answers to some things from the American Athletic Conference perspective with uh, the commissioner, Mike Oresco. So stay tuned. Live with Mike Oresco when we return on the Patrick Johnson Show. Patrick Johnson, every weekday at 5. I know he's a friend of yours, but that guy is bonkers. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Uh, stay tuned. We've got a big announcement for a special guest tomorrow. A couple of them, but uh, 
one that we're looking forward to having on. Uh, right now, a very special guest joins us on the phone. He is the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, Mike Oresco, joining us uh, here on the PJ Show. We welcome you back in. Uh, commissioner, hope all is well, and everybody with uh, your family and all of your coworkers uh, with the uh, conference office are uh, safe and healthy. Yes, everyone is, and uh, thank you, Patrick, and hope everyone in your family and in your community and all your listeners, everybody's doing well as, as well. Uh, and thanks for having me. Always, always well, nice to talk to you. Yeah, it's great to have you on, and uh, I know you uh, were on here recently uh, with uh, Corey when he was uh, in for me a few, uh, about a month or so ago. Uh, so uh, as things have been fluid here, a lot has changed since then, uh, so a lot of things to, to talk about. Uh, up top, I guess some of the big news out today nbc sports had this report that uh navy and notre dame may very well play in ireland uh later on this uh year and if they did so they would do so uh, quite possibly without anyone in attendance uh, what's your reaction uh perhaps from the american side and the navy side of things uh as far as uh, that news report goes from nbc sports well, again, I don't know whether that report is premature. You know, I talked to uh, to Chet, you know, Gladchuck, the AD, this morning, and I, I don't want to uh, uh, get into anything that, that might be confidential. But what isn't confidential is that they are still looking at this. <clears throat> I think they're, excuse me, still looking at the entire situation. Um, I think Ireland put in a, a ban on uh, large gatherings in the fall. Uh, I think they may have exempted sports for the time being. Uh, and again, no one knows what, what's going to happen. I think there is some time for that decision to be made. I know that the Navy is, is looking at it. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if that report, you know, turns out to be accurate, but I have no idea at this point. I would not speak for, for chat or, or for Navy. Uh, so I, I don't know. Uh, I can't verify the accuracy of, of that report. Obviously, uh, everybody's hoping that, uh, you know, they can play. It's a, it would be an incredible event regardless. But again, who knows? We're all dependent on the science and the uh, situation with the virus at, uh, as we go along. We, we, you know, we can speculate all we want, but we just don't know, Patrick. I mean, there's just too many things we still don't know. We know more than we did a few weeks ago and a month ago, but some mm -hmm. of the things we know seem to contradict what we knew before. So it's, uh, it's a tough situation right now for everyone. Commissioner Mike Oresco with the American joining us uh, here on the phone this afternoon. Uh, Commissioner, as far as the call that the vice president had with uh, members from from uh, conferences, commissioners of conferences from around the, the nation, were you in on that? Yes, yes, I was on the call. So the reporting from that was the consensus was that the so-called P5 commissioners do not want to have football without fans in the stands. Yet uh, you had an interview with the Orlando newspaper. I don't know if that was prior to the call or after uh, the call, but it, it came out that you were speaking about the possibility of if we're going to play games, we might have to really consider playing these games in the fall without fans in the stands. Uh, could you give us a little timeline for that? What were, what were your impressions of the call? Well, it was a really good call. Uh, on the other hand, it wasn't a call designed to debate an issue, a particular issue. Uh, and the concern I have is I think we should have a further discussion and, and I haven't taken a position yet, Patrick, but to put it in a nutshell, we should have a discussion about what constitutes students uh, being in session. Uh, and if they're not physically on campus, uh, but are taking uh, virtual courses, which I assume most universities will be doing, even if they're not on campus, 
students aren't on campus, how would, you know, how would that affect uh, football and some fall sports? It seems to me the issue, the primary issue has always been health and safety, and that remains the primary issue. And financial considerations, although really important, are secondary to the health and safety of our student-athletes and our fans and anyone connected with these games. The question seems to me to be, okay, it's going to be it's not going to be easy to uh, deal with student bodies of 10, 20, 30, 40,000, 50,000 students if the situation remains uh, similar to what it is now. Uh, even with the reopenings, it might be difficult to uh, enforce, for example, social distancing. I don't know whether, you know, there, you know, masks, uh, there'd be enough masks that people would would be wearing them as they should. You know, none of these things, you know, none of these things can you know. And there might be a situation where it's very hard to enforce the protocols you put in place. So you might feel, and I can't speak for university presidents or chancellors, but you might feel that virtual classes are the only way to go for a while until, you know, we have some new developments and until we feel, you know, safer with having an entire student body on campus. Well, let's assume hypothetically that that's the case then you would have a decision to make as to, but school is in session now. I'm not assuming that schools are closed mm-hmm. down. If schools are closed down, then there's no sports. I mean, how can there be sports if, if in fact, there's no student body and, and the school is just not operating? But if you have virtual classes, you can't have virtual football. Okay? There, you know, you've got to play football. You either play football or you don't. So the question then becomes, if you can safely quarantine, test, um, take temperatures, do whatever you need to do with, with a group of football players, and then play perhaps in front of no fans, uh, test everyone connected to the game. And, and that may be, it may well be possible by, you know, we're still several months away. If that's the case, could we play football, for example, without students physically on campus, but students taking virtual courses? So school is in session, sports are still an extension of the university's mission. Uh, and, and I think that's something that really should be discussed. I don't, um, to just it's not a black and white issue to me to, to just say well okay if, if if students are not on campus we can't play there are a lot of situations where students are not on campus and, and football proceeds that's totally different to what we're talking about now I'm not arguing that there's any similarity mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the whole issue is health and safety and and if you can't you know deal with an entire student body you might be able to deal with 100 football players or 85 football players and and do something safely now this is going to this begs a lot of questions what if somebody at some point happens to become positive. Do you have to quarantine the team? Does the team not be able to play? Do the teams that played that team have to be quarantined? Do they not be able to play? Uh, it, it, it's very problematic. I mean, going into the fall, you know, there are a lot of unanswered questions. We can speculate all we want. What we're trying to do is, is figure out, you know, what we would do if certain situations happen. And you can't, can't plan for everything, Patrick, but you just do yeah. the best you can. We've got Commissioner Oresco from the American on the line with us here on the PJ Show. Brett McMurphy just in the last minute tweeting that the interim chancellor at Missouri says Mizzou expects to have students back on campus for the fall semester. So uh, just felt like that was an apropos uh, thing to mention, uh, given what we are uh, talking about right now with the commissioner. With that said, uh, Commissioner Oresco, even uh, our own interim chancellor here at ECU, Ron Mitchelson, Dr. Mitchelson, uh, told us two or three weeks ago that he really wanted to have all students back on campus and not just bring uh, student athletes back. Again, this is fluid. Things could change. His thinking on that may even have changed uh, since we talked to him uh, in a radio interview uh, three weeks ago. Uh, but the, the, the consensus seems to be that 
everybody feels like you need to have all the students back on campus and not just the athletes. Are you hearing that from member institutions or are, are all plans being considered right now? Uh, not, not yet. No. Uh, and we haven't, we haven't, uh, we had a president's meeting a while back, executive committee meeting, uh, and people were not, you know, willing to speculate yet on what they would do. Uh, no, I haven't heard that yet. And we don't know. I, I've talked to, um, you know, a president, I talked to one of our presidents recently who, who said that clearly if, if there were virtual courses and, and you could safely quarantine football, at least you'd have to consider it. You, you mm-hmm. don't, might not necessarily decide to do it, but you, you would certainly consider it. Now, uh, that president also thought that his students would be back on campus one way or another, that they would be able to enforce whatever protocols needed to be, you know, put into place and enforced. But again, we, we just don't know. And again, it, this to me, it, you know, I, I, my, my job and, and my goal is not to stir controversy. All I'm suggesting is that this is something that, that ought to be discussed. There may be chancellors who feel that if we don't have students physically on campus, we don't want to play football. That's fine. Um, but, you know, there is a scenario where if, if you can do it safely, and Dr. Fauci's talked about the ways you can play with no fans safely. There might even be a way down the road where you can bring in fans, but you have to do social distancing in the stands unless your families, you can, uh, you know, maybe do away with concessions so you're not worried about any of that kind of interchange. There are other things you can do within the state. You can test everyone with thermometers as they come in. We're going to apparently have, you know, over a million, you know, uh, digital thermometers available, maybe even more people will be using them. Maybe there are things you can do to even have a few fans in the stands. We don't know that yet. And I'm not suggesting that's going to happen. I'm not, a, you know, I'm not, my, my goal is not to get into argument with anyone, but I do think you have to think that we're only in April. A lot can happen. You know, a lot can happen. We might even have a treatment for, for the virus and, and a treatment would go a long way because we're not going to get a, a vaccine in all likelihood in time, but a treatment where, you know, you, you, uh, you knew you weren't going to die. You knew that uh, you could recover, that the, the symptoms would be relatively mild because again, you had a very effective treatment. That might be a real factor here. We don't know. Uh, so it's, it's, it, you mentioned fluidity. Yes. A very fluid situation. And the last thing I'll say is again, uh, schools are, are going to make their decisions what we, I guess, are all going to hope for is some kind of uniformity. You know, we've got governors who say we don't want any big events in our state for right. X number right. of months. You know, California. Well, if California is not playing football, that's a problem for the schools in California who play football. Uh, and let's say Michigan is playing football. Minnesota is not, but Florida is. Well, it can get it can get messy. And, and again, you would hope that we can we can reach a consensus now. That, that's another question that comes up, Patrick. Who's going to make this decision? We're not going to make it. We're going to have input. And we've been definitely, we've been talking to the P5 conferences. We talked to the G5 conference. I had a conference call today with, with uh, some of those conferences. And we're trying to figure out, okay, who's going to make this decision? And what are the timelines? It's very likely that the NCAA board, uh, with input from the uh, Football Oversight Committee, I want to bore your listeners with jargon, but the Football Oversight Committee is a group of, of athletic directors and commissioners who you know, oversee football um, mm-hmm. and make recommendations. Well, they, they'll make a recommendation to the uh, NCAA Council, and the NCAA Council is, is probably going to you know, put it up to the board. This is an important decision. I do think there'll be a lot of input from the conferences. You know, clearly the SEC has a huge stake in college football. You know, the Big Ten, so do we. You know, the AAC, we, 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 our football is very important to us. We'll all have input, but that decision will ultimately be made 
I would think on the basis of the best medical advice that people are getting from the CDC, the president's task force, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, uh, the, uh, you know, the medical advisory committee that the NCAA has put together. But when that decision is made at that level, you're going to have to have cooperation from the states and from the governors. And, and then there are going to be protocols put into place, and we're all going to have to look at those extremely carefully and figure out, okay, what do we have to do? We're, we've got a medical advisory committee in our conference that we're going to be touching base with, and, and they'll tell us, okay, this is the testing procedure that is recommended. This is what you ought to do. And, and so there's going to be a lot of pieces to this, a lot of parts to this, and it's not going to be an easy thing to implement. But I think as long as we anticipate the issues, anticipate the potential problems, you know, we'll, we'll be better off. We can't solve them right now, and we can't necessarily project. And the last thing I'm going to do is speculate on when the season's going to start. Right. Uh, the, well, the timelines are May, late May and June for, you know, June probably for, for July camps if you want to start then. But okay. that's just a timeline. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Mike Oresco, commissioner of the AAC, is on the phone with us here. I mean, in your mind and in these discussions, uh, and again, it could be a sliding scale sort of thing, uh, but, you know, is there a uh, kind of the, the kill date, if you will? Okay, if we don't reach this, then we can't start on time, uh, regardless of whether there's fans of the stand, students on campus. I mean, in your mind, what you sort of answered that there. Uh, late May, uh, June, but but when are when at what point do those decisions need to be made? Uh, that hey, everything's going to be as you as we sit here right now with what we know. Well, Patrick, that's a really good question, and I'm not even sure that what I said was accurate because uh, we're hearing now that uh, you know the consensus might be that that you can play with four weeks preparation. You know, your basic four weeks of camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we came up with a six-week plan in our conference. We also have a task force, a, a working group that we set up within our conference that, that involves our coaches and uh, some, uh, some athletic, key athletic directors and conference officials. And, and I was on a call recently. We had Luke Fickle, who's our vice chair. Ryan Silverstein of Memphis is our chair. And we came up with a plan. If we go back, this is how practices should be run. And it was based on a six-week plan, two weeks to come in for people you know, players to get in shape and, you know, they haven't been doing the things they normally do. And maybe, you know, I'm sure they're striving hard to stay in shape, but they're not in weight rooms. They're not doing some of the things they normally didn't have spring practice for the most part. So then you'd have your four weeks of camp. Now we're hearing that it, it seems, and I don't, I don't think Dr. Hainline, the NCAA uh, medical director who, you know, has a, a task force and issues uh, direct, not directives, but guidelines that he's weighed in yet, but we we're hearing through the grapevine that it might be four weeks and some people even suggest, well, we could play with three weeks preparation. Now, who knows whether that's, you know, going to be acceptable. But if that's the case, then that moves the timeline maybe, you know, closer toward, you know, the end of June or even July, even July. Mm-hmm. I don't know. No one knows. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's going to be a rolling timeline. For instance, if you reach that point and we decide that we can't start um, college football when we were supposed to. And as you know, you have an important game with Marshall right. very, uh, week zero in August. And that commemorates the 50th anniversary of, of the tragedy of the plane crash of the Marshall team. And that's an important game. It's important commemoration. And we don't know whether that's going to happen. We don't know whether the Notre Dame Navy game, even if it's not played in Ireland, will it happen when it's scheduled? Will it be moved uh, to somewhere in the U.S.? We don't know any of that. Uh, but if, in fact, you can't start the season on time, then I assume it's going to be a rolling timetable. And uh, then it's going to be a question of, okay, do you go into December and January when you have exams, when you have the Christmas holidays, when you have other issues? Chancellors and presidents, I imagine, will have a, a big say in that. So it's, it's not going to be um, 
you know, if we had a miracle cure or a miracle vaccine, then we could get back to normality. But no one sees that coming. Mike, is your thinking that we've got to have football regardless of what form it's in sometime uh, either in the fall or spanning a couple of uh, semesters, a month or so, maybe even played in the spring? I mean, one way or the other, does there have to be football uh, just for the good of college athletics this year? Well, here's how I would answer that. Health and safety is primary, totally paramount. Everything is going to depend on whether you can play it safely and, uh, you know, you can keep your players healthy. And if there's some way to do that, then I think we have to do everything we can to play the season. Uh, it's, it's really important. It's important for all sorts of reasons. Uh, obviously, you know, but the minute I mentioned the financial implications, right. you know, somebody would say, well, wait a minute, it's health and safety. And that's what I just said. It is health and safety first. But if you can, again, if you can do that, you know, in a, let's say we get guidance from, from Dr. Fauci and from the president's uh, task force and the CDC, and we can play. Let's assume, and here's, this is obviously your question leads to another one. Would we play in the spring, for example, just to get the season in? I myself would would favor taking a really hard look at that. I don't know why we couldn't necessarily do that if we couldn't play the season in the fall. Or if the season were postponed, maybe you have a truncated season. Maybe you don't play as many games, and maybe you you shrink the bowl season. You, You compress it. I'd still like to see the bowls played if you can compress that. You can still play the championship game, for example. But here's one thing that came up, Patrick, that, you know, one question leads to another, and that's why we've, we've had these uh, these meetings, you know, weekly, daily. Uh, I've done more calls now than I did well before this happened, you know. Uh, what if you, you know, people said, well, we should just maybe play conference games if we have a truncated season. Well, where's that leave Notre Dame and Army and Independence like BYU and UConn and others? Uh, I think you need to play at least an extra game so those teams can have a season. Uh, and those are the kinds of things, you know, you have to think about. Now, these these conference these non-conference games are often financially very important to the school. Some of them, not our schools as much, but some of them are buy games. Some of them are, you know, uh, just really important for their their ranking. You, you you might want to play those if you possibly can. Some people have suggested, well, instead of playing eight conference games, play six, or instead of nine with some of the school you know, conferences, play play seven or eight. Well, that's something I guess conference by conference, league by league, are going to you know have to consider. Uh, kind of the kinds of things we've been talking about. But in, yes, I would do everything possible within the framework of health and safety to play the season. Uh, but again, if you, if, if ultimately it just not working, that the virus is there, there's too big a risk, then you just don't play. And then we have to deal with it. And that's why financially we've been looking at a line of credit. We, we've got healthy reserves in our conference. We've been looking at other kinds of things. Uh, we are planning for worst case. We've looked at our budget. We can probably cut two thirds or more of our conference budget. If in fact we don't play, we're looking at things we can do now. We've already realized a lot of savings, savings that we didn't want to realize, but we had to obviously in view of the situation, we didn't play spring sports. We're not traveling. We're doing, we have, you know, freezes on, on things, uh, with staffing. We've got all sorts of things going on right now. Uh, and we have been spending a lot of time on that. Uh, it's, 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 the health and safety considerations sure. have been have been primary, yeah. but we've also obviously had to spend a lot of time on the financial implications. We've got uh, Commissioner Mike Oresco with us here. Uh, as you said, uh, your answer you know begets another question. Uh, is there been serious consideration? And I don't want to attribute this to you if you have not 
said anything publicly. Uh, but has there have there been talks of for the non-revenue sports maybe doing away next year with conference championships? No, you know we we would prefer not to do that. I mean, it's something that that's out there. It's been been talked about. But uh, in our conference, we plan on on doing all our championships, all our regular seasons. Uh, if if the situation financially is dire, would would we look at ways to you know reschedule things or do things a, a little differently? Yes, that's a possibility. Uh, we we would prefer, obviously, not to have to do any of that, and I think that's probably leave it at that. Uh, one gotcha. thing you yeah. did see, Cincinnati left, uh, you know, had to uh, cut their soccer program. That's something, though, that they told me they've been in the works for quite some time. Uh, it might have happened anyway. I think the coronavirus situation, uh, you know, probably uh, advanced it and uh, made their decision easier. But that's a program that had been struggling. And they felt that the resources uh, could be used to better help their broader range of, of student athletes in terms of weight training and all sorts of right. other things that they could do. So anyway, it wasn't necessarily, you know, everybody said, well, this is the first uh, shoot to drop. But uh, while it, it was it was influenced by the, the current crisis, it, it wasn't uh, something that was uh, completely independent. Uh, it was, you know, wasn't something that was totally tied to it. I, I don't get uh, Mike Oresco, by the way, the commissioner of the uh, American Athletic Conference on the phone with us here on the Patrick Johnson show today. Uh, I, I don't I don't consider the American uh, in this group, but that, uh, again, so-called G5 that you referenced, uh, there's a lot of those institutions that uh, reportedly have petitioned the NCAA to decrease the number of uh, sports, I guess, to be a D1 member in good standing. Um, in other words, the minimum number of sports you need to sponsor maybe go down. And again, that's a that's a dollars and cents decision. Uh, where are you on on that and talking to these you know commissioners from those conferences? And do, do you foresee that having to be something that you know may may happen at other institute member institutions in the American? It's always possible, but we we don't think it's likely. And we signed on to this because we want to be good citizens and we want to help schools that are really going to struggle, especially in those other G5 conferences. Uh, and you, you said it, Patrick, we, we don't view ourselves as a G5. You, you know how much I've campaigned about that. What I've tried to avoid doing in this uh, crisis is to use it, you know, use it to, uh, you know, basically campaign for, for our separation from the G5 or basically to, to talk about the conference. I mean, now's not really the time to do that. Uh, having said that, though, what I didn't want to do is certainly, in, in terms of this legislation, make it look like our conference was in, in dire straits and that we weren't, you know, we weren't really like a P6. We are. And so consequently, we didn't necessarily have to sign on to this legislation. Now, could it potentially help a, a school or two in our conference down the road that really ends up in some financial difficulty, for example, if we don't play football, yes, it could, but it's, it's, it's really less likely to. Now, most of those uh, recommendations for uh, legislative relief waivers, as we call them, were just common sense things. For instance, for instance if, if the attendance requirements stayed in place, that would be silly because, you know, you may not even have fans in the stands. You know, that, that, that was an easy one. There were others. Sure. Uh, now, the, the most controversial and, and the one we're going to have to think a, a lot about is the, the 16, you know, sport minimum in order to qualify as an FPS or a division one football program. And, you know, could you, could you basically leave it up to individual schools who have to go below 16 to petition the NCA for a waiver and, 
and not have legislation. I mean, we you could end up doing that. I don't know that that's what's going to happen. We're we're going to push forward with the legislation to uh, to offer relief, and we don't even know how many years the relief would last because we don't know how long the crisis would last or how long it would take to recover from the crisis. Would it be two years, three years, four years? Uh, so it's clear that 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 kind of legislation could help uh, a lot of schools, but but really less so our schools. You know, we we are much more like the P5. You know, we we've got a major TV deal coming up. Uh, we'll be hurt if there's no football. You know, we've already been hurt with the NCAA distribution not being what it is. Right. We right. Uh, we have schools that rely on student fees, Patrick. You know that, and some of them are. You know, you don't know whether if there's online learning, whether they're even going to be student fees. Uh, Donors may be uh, less able to to contribute. You may have less state funding, and obviously, you know, with schools like ECU, uh, you know, obviously having uh, you know uh, having need for state funding, uh, a lot of our schools are in that position. Uh, so that's a, it's going to be a challenge for us, but it's going to be a challenge for the P5 too, because you know, as you know, they've got big budgets and uh, they they rely on those big hefty TV fees. We're, ours is going to be a lot better next year if we get it at all. You know, we just don't know yet. This would be more of a philosophical question, but you've been at this for quite a while. Not to say uh, you're not a young guy, but you have been at this quite a while. I think you started when you were 15. I'm, I'm not sure. But uh, in all seriousness, uh, Commissioner, how much of you, maybe a market adjustment, do you think we could potentially see out of this when it comes to salaries and even a bigger line item budget for athletic departments, the facilities where everyone seems to be trying to keep up with the Joneses. Could we see a market correction in any of that? And again, I'm not necessarily saying in the American, I'm just across the board. Well, you know, none of us are profits, but I would, I would foresee at least in the short term that happening, Patrick, I don't think there's much question. You're seeing it now. You know, you're not going to see high price buyouts at the moment. It'd be very unlikely. You probably might not have seen the Florida state situation you know, uh, you know, a year ago, if, if we were in this situation now, mm-hmm. I think right. that people will look hard at all their costs. I think they're going to look hard at, at salaries. I think they're going to look hard at, um, you know, facilities that are not absolutely necessary. I think they're going to look hard at some of the other things that they spend money on. Uh, as, as we get away from this, as we get beyond it and things return more to normal, and, and let's say we have a vaccine down the road and this is all behind us, it's just a really, really bad memory. At that point, uh, I'm not sure that we wouldn't, you know, go back to where where we were to some extent because there's that, right. you know, those animal spirits, as you say, that that competitive, you know, energy that everyone has, and so people will be looking to outdo the other. So I'm really not necessarily sure. I can tell you this though, things like this, we all know, can be transformative, you know, and this has been a very bad thing, and that's the other thing we have to keep keep in mind that, that, that it's sad when, when we can't play sports or we can't play football, but the real tragedy are the people dying and the families, you know, uh, losing loved ones and are having people really sick and all the things that have happened, the economic damage, which I view in terms of human damage. You know, it's when, when you start saying economics, people say, well, don't you value human life? Of course. The question is, the economic shutdown has had a real human toll. Uh, on people, a, a tremendous human toll and, and in all sorts of ways. And, and that's another factor here that we have to consider. But once, once you get beyond this, I think people will look at how they do business differently. I think you're going to see more, you know, people working remotely is my guess. You know, you might not see, we're, we're a small office and we're moving to Dallas and we'll, we'll be there and, and we'll still have an office, but a lot of people will decide that their employees perhaps can work remotely. 
You're going to see people looking at costs differently. I don't know that we'll do as many in-person meetings. We might do a lot of right. a lot more virtual meetings, you know, save a lot of money. But Dr. Fauci thinks that we may not be doing handshakes anymore. And that's been a tradition that goes back to 600 BC. You know, they've got uh, murals <laughs> right. showing people shaking hands. So, you know, I think a lot's going to change. And yes, I do think there'll be a transformation in the short term for sure. Uh, you've seen now, you know, with, and we've recommended all sorts of things within our conference in terms of saving money. Not going to get into that because those are private matters, but we're, we're not going to grandstand, but we're doing a lot of those things. And we've seen other schools, you know, do furloughs and other kinds of things uh, with their athletic departments. And, and that that is going to happen. And as we recover, it's going to be slow. I don't think it's going to be quick. I, I think people are going to be very cautious for, for a while and we could have another one of these. Who knows? You know, we never thought we'd have one. That's the other thing. When, when you've gone 70 or 80 years with the NCAA tournament, you never think it's not going to be there. Same thing with college football. We've never really had a season that you know was threatened. And even World War II, we could play because it was a different kind of, of uh, tragedy going on. And so in this particular case, we've never experienced it. We're in uncharted waters. But I do think that uh, it's gonna, there are going to be some changes to, to answer your question. Uh, Commissioner Oresco, again, thank you for your time. Your final, final thing for you, what will be sort of the next – um, you know, marker as far as a meeting among college commissioners, uh, league presidents, uh, you know, in the next few weeks or so, uh, that is sort of the next big thing on your schedule right now, as far as trying well, to get back to normal. Yeah, there, there's going to be some, some legislative, there'll be some legislative decisions made very soon with, with some NCA council meetings. And, and I, I don't know whether the transfer working group will postpone its work. You're going to see work has been continuing on name, image, and likeness, but in terms of the health and safety dealing with the uh, coronavirus, uh, you know, pandemic, you'll probably see very soon. I would think the NCAA uh, will issue some principles on what they call resocialization of, of athletics, meaning getting back, to, to playing what the principles might be, even though we don't know yet when we might get the green light. You know, we don't know what the green light's going to mean. We don't know how green is green at this point. The other thing is uh, we have a, a, a recruiting um, dead period, a ban through May 31st. You may be aware of that, Patrick. And mm-hmm, right. uh, the month of May, I think, will be a critical month because, one, you're starting to see states reopen, whatever reopen is actually going to mean from state to state. And, and that's going to tell us something. I, I think that uh, Major League Baseball, who knows, they've been looking at all sorts of plans. They may be on the verge of doing something with the blessing of Dr. Fauci and, and the uh, President's Task Force and the CDC. And if they do, people will watch closely to see what they do. So I think the month of May could be, could be pivotal. Uh, pivotal, and then I think you'll see decisions, I suspect, you know, obviously toward the end of May, June, uh, you know, we ourselves are, are making decisions. We've canceled our spring, you know, our annual conference right. meeting. We're going to do mm-hmm. that virtually. We're looking at media day as to whether we can have that. It may, we may not be able to. It may be virtual. People love our lobster clam bake, but you know, I'm not sure we can, <laughs> we can do that right. this year. Yeah. Uh, and then again, so I think, I think the next few months are going to be pretty critical, but also there may be developments, Patrick, that we can't foresee right now. You know, if we know more than we did two weeks ago. We'll know more in a couple of weeks. Unfortunately, some of the things, as I said earlier, and some of the things we've, uh, we've learned have been contradictory to what we learned before. So we're not really sure. It's a new virus. That, uh, a lot of questions that still have to be answered. Commissioner, uh, thank you for your time and uh, the depth of your answers. As always, it's great to catch up with you, and uh, we'll be in touch. Thank you for, your, uh, for being on with us today.
Well, Patrick, thanks for the really good questions, obviously, and and thanks uh, for having me. And uh, again, uh, hope you and your family and and all your your friends and colleagues and all the people in your community and the ECU community and in Greenville and the whole the whole area and obviously in our whole country, everybody stays healthy and safe. And thanks again for having me. And uh, again, stay well. We'll do. Thank you, sir. Uh, great to have Mike Oresco on with us here. Uh, great stuff. Okay, we're going to take a timeout. Ben Byram with an update after the break, and uh, then we'll have some final uh, words for you, uh, even some breaking news that uh, has materialized here in the last uh, uh, time we've been on with uh, the commissioner. And uh, we'll also tell you about our big uh, guest for tomorrow that I think you'll want to know about. Uh, that's uh, ahead here on the PJ Show. Ben Barm here for your 94th through the game sports update in the lead up to the NFL Draft, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport. Reports that the Panthers are set to, to possibly trade him back from the number seven slot if a team is interested in moving up for a quarterback, offensive tackle, or cornerback. Tight end Rob Gronkowski held his introductory press conference with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers moments ago. When asked about what led him to come out of retirement, he reminded everybody that he always maintained he would come back if he was feeling it. What I've always said, uh, for sure, I've, I said it from the beginning that I want to come back unless if I'm feeling it, unless if I'm feeling good, feeling healthy, and I'm feeling like I'm ready to go. And now this is the case. This is the time. In College Hoops Hall of Famer Muffet McGraw is retiring as women's basketball coach at Notre Dame after 33 years. She'll be replaced by Nielly Ivey, a former Notre Dame player and assistant coach under McGraw. McGraw has a record of 848 wins and 252 losses at Notre Dame. It led to school to national championships in 2001 and 2018. She was inducted into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame in 2017. The 13th female coach to achieve that honor. Her 936 career wins ranked sixth all-time among Division One coaches. Your 94 through the game sports update. I'm Ben Barham. Patrick Johnson here to wrap it up after this quick timeout. The Patrick Johnson Show. He's the perfect stud muffin. He's a menace to society. Every weekday at 5 on 94.3 The Game. Ben, I know you've been waiting for it. Oh, it's coming to your TV next week. Next month, actually. It's official. Your boy, Darren Ravel, reporting. My Tiger, guy. your guy, your buddy. You got his phone number. Tiger, Phil, part duh, but with Tom Terrific and uh, Peyton Manning. It will air on TNT. Sounds like a blast. Definitely got to check that out. Sounds like something. The matchup is believed to be the Nike guys, Phil and Peyton against, uh, excuse me, Tiger and Peyton against Phil and Brady. It's not how I thought it would be. I thought they'd, no, but I guess that's what they'll go with. That's Ravel speculating, by the way. Every, anything's good with Darren Ravel involved. Yes, Let me just exactly. put it like, at that, like that. Yeah. Uh, great to have Commissioner Oresco on. That was uh, fantastic uh, having him on yesterday uh earlier are we almost done well look kill the music i was gonna vamp a little bit here lose it don't bring that in until we get uh, about 30 seconds ben a little on, on the fly proving you this is live hey tomorrow on the uh show we'll have ecu alum antoine uh staley with us we'll talk about the panthers draft ben just noted in his update there 
that the Panthers, like everybody is doing now, uh, we're willing to trade. We're willing to trade. It's kind of the dance you go through this time of year, right? And uh, it's that pre-draft, draft eve. Can we get somebody to bite? Can we take advantage of, of somebody maybe that's wanting something that we can provide, a high top 10 draft pick in the case of the Panthers? Uh, also on the show tomorrow, Ruffin McNeil. Coach Ruff going to be with us on the program tomorrow. Uh, I think that'll be fantastic, don't you? I'm looking forward to having Coach Ruff. Had a really great conversation with Coach Ruff this morning. And uh, looking forward to having him on the show tomorrow. So that's uh, happening, and uh, we'll bring you that tomorrow on the Patrick Johnson Show. I think Mike Oresco said a lot of really uh, intriguing things and a lot of well-thought-out things. I, I understand the position he's in. But I think as we got going along, you know, his insights into what may or may not happen are probably going to be uh, tremendous uh, because he's, he's done it all. I mean, he's, he's worked at that television executive level. And I really think we're going to end up with, uh, I, I just, you know, the announcement from Missouri that happened during that interview, I, I just, I, I think we're going to have some kind of football in the fall. I'm feeling that way now, and I've felt that way really the last couple of weeks. Uh, but we'll see. It may be delayed, but I think we will have something. Uh, tomorrow, as we mentioned, Ruffin McNeil, Antoine Staley, thanks to Commissioner Oresco today. Back tomorrow, Patrick Johnson Show. We'll talk to you then. <laughs>